Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Rum Society at Kanye Rum Bar in downtown Los Angeles, we had Alexander Kong in the house. He was representing Worthy Park Estates with Rum Bar Rum from Jamaica. Oh my goodness. I was so pleasantly surprised and blown away on this one. We tasted the silver. We tasted the white overproof. We tried the gold and then the Worthy Park Single Estate Reserve. So grab all those bottles, gather up your friends, make it a drinking game. We can do this together in the virtual world. Tell your friends about the Spirit Guide Society podcast. That's Spirit Guide Society podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't get belligerently drunk and start telling everybody that they're wrong because that means you're wrong, all right? Okay, thank you. So this is really, like, I don't know this rum at all. Like, rum bar rum is new to me, but I know that it's a staple in Jamaica. It's, like, very, very popular. But let's back it up a little bit and talk about the distillery itself. Worthy Park, like, how long has that distillery been there? And I know that, like, there's a lot of things, like, in the modern day of rum, like, people are, like, sourcing their molasses from different places, and you guys are one of the few distilleries that are kind of, like, keeping it all old school style. You, you're still a sugar producer. Yep. You still sell all your sugar and use your own molasses. 100%. To make your own rum, and yep. then keep all your rum on site for the maturation as well. So that's really old school style. But tell us a little history of the brand itself. Yeah, well, going back, um, Worthy Park dates back to 1670. So we started as 840 acres in central Jamaica. And uh, over the years, in, in the little valley we are, has anybody been to Jamaica? So we're about, for those of you that don't know, or those of you that do know, we're about an hour, in the heart of Jamaica, so we're about an hour north of Kingston, about an hour south of Otruias. So we, we're 1,200 feet above sea level, and it's a really you know, dope environment we are because we're surrounded by the mountains. So it's really picturesque. And up, so this year, we're about just under 10,000 acres of land. So we, you know, talking about the history, we started sugar production in 1720, and we've done it every year since. Our first record of rum production is in 1741, and uh, that's in a document in the archives in Jamaica. So it's, you know, it's legit, proven history. And over the years, we've done, you know, we've done sugar, we've done rum. I mean, we've grown everything there from bananas to citrus uh, to pimento to cocoa. We've had livestock, we've had chickens, we've had, you know, everything under the sun. But in the past, say, you know, 100 years, the focus has been on sugarcane and has been on rum up until 1962 when we, uh, we actually stopped distilling in 1962 and we re- we rebuilt the distillery in 2005. So it's very interesting because we have this old, you know, three, nearly 350-year-old history, uh, but we've built a modern, a new distillery with an old-school, you know, way of making rum, but automated way. So it's, it's an it's a interesting contrast of what we have down there. It's kind of a hybrid system. That yeah, it is, come it about. is, it is. So why did the distillery close in 1962? What was going on in the rum world in the 60s that would make it so that you guys stopped producing rum? Yeah, there was just an overproduction of Jamaican rum. Because keep in mind, every we had at the turn of the century in the early 1900s over 150 sugar estates in, in Jamaica. 
And every sugar estate was making had molasses. So what did you do with the molasses? You made rum. But it was a very, hate to use the word, a very colonial way of making rum because we sold the sugar to exporters, uh, to refineries in England. Uh, and the same thing was with the rum. So we made rum, but we never had our own brand. So fast forward now to 1962, and there is too much Jamaican rum in the market. So the spirits pool, every distillery is a part of the spirits pool, and they wanted, uh, they were basically asking people to stop making rum. So because we didn't have our brands, we didn't have anything, any equity tied up in bottling our own brands, we said, all right, we'll take the financial incentive and sell our molasses uh, in the open market. Sorry, that's a closed market, but in the, in the pool. Um, yeah, so there was just too much rum in the world, uh, Jamaican rum, the prices were going down, and it was, you know, it was hurting everybody. And was the brand that you were making in the 60s, you guys didn't have your own brand. You were selling rum to other folks to bottle yes. and to distribute. So what were some of the brands that were coming out in, that, in the 50s and 60s that you guys were producing but other people were selling? Um, that, we were just selling it to the brokers in London oh, okay. uh, and traders. So we didn't, we didn't know where our rum ended up. Uh, much like the bulk rum industry today, like we, we know, we have an idea of where some of our rum ends up, but you know, we don't know where a lot of our, which blends our rum goes. So some of the stuff just goes to Europe and it's being sold to third or fourth parties down the road exactly. to be bottled and distributed. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so where did the idea to create your own rum, like you guys restarted in 2004. Yes. And that's, is that when Rum Bar Rum came about or was there a history to Rum Bar Rum before that? No, well... For those of you that have been to Jamaica or have any experience with Jamaica, a rum bar is any, I say establishment, but it can be literally a, a shipping container, four walls in a bar, anywhere that there's rum being served. It could be a little lean-to on the beach. Exactly, exactly. And in Jamaica, there's about 20,000 rum bars. Uh, and we're a population of what, 3 million people, 2.9 million people? Yeah, I mean, we're like, I think I was looking at populations in California, we're like the size of like San Diego County. And, you know, we, we have 20,000 rum bars and white overproof rum, which is the rum of Jamaica. We go through about 600,000 nine liter cases of that just in Jamaica a year. I would never be on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when you look at rum, it's, it's not just a drink in Jamaica. It's, it's medicine. Like if you're, if I'm sick, like if I was cold like this in Jamaica, I'd go home. <laughs> I mean, I'd be, if I was cold like this in Jamaica, I'd be worried. But, um, you know, I take a, take a, Take a shot glass, mix a little with some honey and lime. Take that, wrap up, and, and sweat it out in the morning. Um, you know, funerals are very popular in Jamaica, are very big, and you can't have a funeral without having rum. That's right. Um, we cook with it. You know, we, we can soak some, some ganja in there and have a little tincture. Wow. Um, that's yeah, legal. I, I, I don't in know. California, that's totally legal. <laughs> yeah, it, I said it in other states, and I've kinda, I kind of got shy. <laughs> Made people uncomfortable. We're not afraid. Yeah, here. Um, anybody that has kids, I don't know if I should be saying this on a rec, uh, on the podcast, but I have a one-year-old at home who's teething, and if he's uh, got a, a little teething pain, just put a little on the gums and sleeps for a bad <laughs> phrase like a baby. But you know, it, it, point being, there's a you know, rum in Jamaica is as much a, a cultural uh, part of society as it is just a drink to to get drunk on. But yeah. Which is how Rumbar, when we started distilling in 2005, um, you know, we actually didn't have a brand right away. So we were, we were distilling rum. We put you know, over a million dollars in building the distillery, started distilling rum, and we had no customers. So it was literally like, uh, what was that movie, Field of Dreams? Uh -huh. If you build it, they will come. 
<laughs> so we started putting rum down. We started aging rum, and in 2007, we, started, we decided to launch Rum Bar. And when, before we knew that we were going to call it Rum Bar, we were doing like our focus groups, and somebody said, when they did a uh, taste, they said, boy, this tastes like the living Rum Bar rum. Basically meaning this tastes like you know, an authentic, real rum that you'd find you know, at a rum shop. Yeah, so yeah. we said, you know what, fuck it, let's, let's call that our brand, and we've adopted it. And now it's, it takes a little more explanation when I'm outside of Jamaica because you know, people are like, why would you call a brand rum bar? Like, what does that even mean? But it has a lot of reverence to us in Jamaica. That's cool. And as we're pouring out the first mark here, I'm smelling this rum wafting through this window here. And it's like, it's got some funk happening here. Oh, yeah. So that usually when I smell funk in a rum, yeah. I'm thinking that that might have something to do with the fermentation. So tell us about how do you guys ferment your molasses wine? Yeah. So, um, some, a couple of the hallmarks of, of how we believe, what we believe in Jamaica makes our rum really funky, for lack of a better phrase, um, is our long fermentation times and our, our double retort pot still distillation. So, for our high ester marks, and esters, um, not to get too uh, technical, because I, I failed chemistry in high school, but... Uh, we got you. Yeah, I, can, I can help you out with right, I know what right. an ester is. So, esters are basically the chemical compounds that give you the flavor in the rum. So for our highest rum, thank you, um, we, we start with developing our yeast culture. And we have four 20,000 liter vats that we add in molasses, uh, crushed cane stalks, and cane juice. And we let that sit in open air for uh, three months. And that yeast, when we mix it with the molasses for fermentation, it's a two to three week fermentation time. Wow, so, so super long fermentation. Super long. So to give you an idea what long fermentation means is that you think about uh, yeast, it's, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's an organism like any other organism. It's got, in its lifespan, a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And if its lifespan is very short, then the variance of the flavors that it's going to create are going to be less. Whereas if its, life if its lifespan is very long, it's going to create different flavors in the beginning of its yeah. lifespan than in the middle, than it does at the end. So there's more complexity yeah. to the molasses wine that you're then going to distill. So, and you guys aren't adding any proprietary yeast? It's all just natural yeast, or what are you guys doing? Well, we, we use, we have different marks of rum that we do. So we actually have three types of yeast that we use. Uh, one, that wild yeast, that I, we call it wild yeast that I just referred to. Um, we have a proprietary yeast that we got from our cane fields, and we also just use a you know, dry activated yeast, so delicious yeast. And are you guys doing, because I know that some of the Jamaican rums, they, they use like a dunder pit yeah. or dunder itself. Can you explain that to someone who doesn't understand what a dunder pit is or what dunder is? Yeah. Like, what does that have to do with the fermentation and what's the history of it? So the, the history of it is that we were, Jamaica was experimenting with trying to get as much esters in the rum as possible. And a lot of it was due to demand from, um, from Germany, really. And we were developing rum that we called in Jamaica continental rum because we were trying to get the esters as high as possible. Uh, in Germany, there is a, a rum called Rumverschnitt, and they would take small amounts of Jamaican rum, high ester Jamaican rum, because it was cheaper to import smaller quantities, and they would mix it with basically a neutral spirit. And that Jamaican rum was so fucking funky that it, it a little bit would go a long way. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it originated from. Um, some of our distillery friends in Trelawney, which is in the western part, they specialize and the dunder and the muck pits, but it's basically taking the wastewater after you um, after you run your pot still, and you know 
for to really simplify it, you're, you know, you're spiking, um, you're creating an acid uh, solution and you're spiking your fermentation. So you're adding, we're adding a little extra acid in it to get it, get it higher, create more esters in it. That, that's the, the basic of it. But then it, you know, you have the, the old wives' tales, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, where there's, you know, goat heads or bats or cats or all this. Dead birds. Dead birds and. And, and then there's bacterium in that. Yeah. But in the modern industrialized setting, usually it means that you're just taking some of the, the spent uh, solubles from your fermentation, I mean, from, from your distillation, distillation yeah. and then putting it into your fermentation to kind of like give it a head start and can keep it consistent, but yeah. also keep it funky. Yeah, give it a kickstart, basically. And, uh, you know, they do add some jackfruits, and there are some fruits that go in there, too, as well. So. Oh, into the fermentation? Yeah. Oh, well, into the, into the dunder and muck pits. That's oh, really okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think, so what is this first mark that we have in our hands? So the first mark you guys have is our rumbar silver. So our overproof was doing really well for us uh, in the export markets. Uh, the tiki resurgence you know, really helped because uh, there's that demand for that really funky Jamaican rum. But we also noticed that there was an opportunity. Uh, there was no, there wasn't any rums really in that unaged, 100% uh, pot still, 80 proof uh, Jamaican rum that, you know, out there on the market. So we thought, you know, there's an opportunity for us to get this into the export market. 80 proof is obviously a little more approachable than the, than the overproof. And, um, you know, we, we thought that we could really kind of capture a, a little nice little niche there for us. So that's what you have in, in your glasses now. Um, we get a lot of banana at Worthy Park. Uh, one of the things you know, I will mention about Jamaican rum is there's no sugar added to our rum. So even though you may get a little bit of sweetness from the rum, that's, uh, there's no additives, there's no sugar, there's nothing added into it after the fact. So it's literally three marks of distillate off the still that we blended down um, to 80 proof for you. Beautiful. So let's so, try this one, you guys. Like, stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you reminders of as you smell this rumbar rum, the rumbar silver, rumbar silver at 80 proof? Share your experience. No Broth. wrong answers. Broth. Gerber bananas. Gerber bananas? Yeah. Do you have a kid? Do you have a baby? No. No, no. All right. But he eats it. But he eats it. You remembered the Gerber thing from way back? It's like you're going way back. All right. All right. I like that. No, like, so like a pureed banana kind of. What were you saying? Broth. Some sort Broth, of like a consomme. Yeah. We have, we've got Urban just got back just now from Puerto Rico, right? Puerto Rico tonight. So he's a little hungover from exploring the, the distilleries in Puerto Rico. So if he seems a little quiet, it's just because... He's not quite sober enough to get drunk yet, so yeah. we're figuring it out together. We could we could try to fix that for you. We're yeah. gonna do it right now. What are you guys getting as you tap this over your tongue? Tell me what you're experiencing. Raisins. 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 Beautiful. What else? No wrong answers, you guys. Share your experience. Orange. Orange. No corn. 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 Apple. Apple. Like, like Granny Smith apples, though. Like that yeah. really. Yeah. I'm getting something. It's like ah. Oh, geez, it's really hard to put your finger on. Like something kind of gluey and also something kind of rubbery. That goes to that funky note yeah, to me. Yeah. It's like I get this like, like maybe a, a paste, like an acetone then, almost. Not acetone, but like like Elmer's the kind glue? of yeah, like Elmer's glue a little bit. What? Yeah, like kindergarten paste, and then and then also like a little bit of a rubbery note. What were you gonna say? Well, what are you getting, Josh? What do you get on this one? Um, on the nose, I'm not going to be, to me, it's just, it's just 
should make it rough. On the palate, I'm getting like a little malt, actually. Like a, little a little malty, interesting. But that is the sort of cereal. What would you do? Uh, on the nose, I get sort of like mm -hmm. kind of a copper penny type Whoa. of. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. This is honestly one of my favorite parts because, you know, the whole tasting and nosing is so subjective. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to hear what memories and what experiences rum invokes in people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I like this one a lot. It's a yeah. good sipper. Yeah, and it's unaged, 80 proof. And you guys are only using pot steels. You don't have any column steels at the Worthy Park Distillery? Nope, 100% copper double retort pot steels. And how much are you outputting right now per year? And are you selling stuff to other people to be putting? Are you still mass producing for other folks? Yeah, we still, we have an 18,000 liter pot still. So it's a pretty, wow. it's a big boy. That's a big pot yeah. still. Yeah, so we can, for a year, I mean, we can, if we were pumping around the clock, we could probably do about close to 2 million liters of absolute alcohol a year. Wow. So we're not there yet, but we do sell a significant amount of rum to, um, there's a blend, blenders in Amsterdam, uh, Ian and Cher, who some of you may have heard, but they're responsible for a lot of the brands of rum that are out there this year, are out there, sorry, in general. Um, we also have a couple that you're familiar with um, in the States, uh, Hamilton. Okay. I think a lot of people know Hamilton sure, rum. Sure, sure. So we sell to Ed. Ed's been a you know, customer for a while. Uh, Dr. Bird. I think I saw Dr. Bird, the Jamaican rum. You guys make that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So they they buy it and ship it to Detroit, and they do their blending there. And so, do you use different fermentations when you like make rum for somebody else? Are you using different yeast strains for them, or are you kind of like just doing the same thing but with different maturation techniques, like different yeah, barrels? It really depends on the customer and mm -hmm. what we're selling to them. So, okay. like Ed, uh, we do a blend for him, a specific blend that's proprietary for Ed uh, that we sell. But most of our rum is just sold in bulk. So the, the blenders will say, hey, we need a tanker of, I don't know, two-year-old rum. So we'll just you know, dump barrels and put a tanker of two-year-old rum for them. And there's, it's uh, no age. Yeah, it's, it's completely on age. So coffee how, in the back. Coffee? I, I get let that. let it sit in the back. Yeah, yeah, coffee. I get a little coffee. That's good. And, and maybe, yeah, like bread, like maybe toast or something yeah, as well. Yeah, he said cereal earlier. Yeah. So how is this doing in Jamaica? Are you selling this in Jamaica? No, the we, actually, Bar we actually don't sell it in Jamaica. You don't sell it? Not, well, not the silver. Well, what do you guys sell in Jamaica? It's um, Our biggest mover is our overproof. Is that what's coming around now? Yeah. Yes. That's what's oh, my around. goodness. Thank you, Calvin. I think I could drink this one. There you go, my friend. Thank you. This is going to make you feel much better. I would hope so. So Josh and Shaggy and Kelvin are coming around with the second mark here. So what is this, Alexander? What is this one called here? So this is our rum bar white overproof rum. So this is the one that cures your ailments and your teething pains and your your fever, your sinuses. There we go. At least you feel good when you drink it. I don't know if it actually does it, but yeah. So this is um as I was saying before, this is arguably the category rum of Jamaica. Um, unaged, white overproof rum outsells any age rum in Jamaica as a category by about three to one. So this is what you'll find in every bar in Jamaica, pretty much every household. Any Jamaicans have been overseas. I'm sure you'll go in their house. You'll find white overproof. It is, it's a staple in every house in Jamaica. And, and How would we drink this, aside trade, overproof? Um, my favorite is overproof daiquiri. Is cool. just that's my thing. We've been drinking a lot of overproof banana daiquiris. Oh my! Um, you know we got the back bar that we have the Jafard banana, and it's fucking nice. dope with the. In this. That you get, we have a lot of banana notes on it as well. It just works. It's it's 126 proof, 
So it's 63%. All right, you guys, so 126 proof. We're not messing around. This is not for your kids. Stick your nose in that glass, but breathe in really gently through your mouth so you're wafting those alcohol vapors across the back of your palate. Go slow. If you're just smelling fire, you're not wrong. It just means you're going too fast. <laughs> going too fast, so slow it down. What are you guys getting? Right on. Crunch and Honey. All right. Sour cream. Sour cream. Cool. Sour okay. cream. I get that sour cream. That's really good. That's really good. I, Graham cracker. Okay. Reminds me of last night. Reminds you of last night. Where were you last night, Urban? <laughs> Everywhere. No, you were in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So where were you in Puerto Rico last night? I was at El Bate. El Bate? El Bate was, that bar does not close, 24-7. So now we understand the state of affairs here. Well, this yes. will get you back going. So yeah. right? Cheers. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Cheers to you. So tap some over your tongue and share your experience. Shrimp. Am I tripping? Keep on smelling food. Shrimp. Like oyster, something minerality, something like from the ocean, something. It's like a, it's a like brine. A brine, a brine. brine. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, brine. So, Urban's getting like a real briny note on this. So, like, maybe he's saying something like seafood, but I'm thinking like olives. I'm thinking like black olives a little bit. What else are you guys getting? Bringing it back in here, guys. So, anybody else getting some of those kind of briny notes? So, it's kind of like olives or pimento. You getting that in there? Anybody? Yeah? I'm getting oysters. Oysters? Yeah, man. All right, all I still right. feel like that's last night coming up for you. Bro. I think oh so. I'm just burping it all out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mm. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So I'm digging myself in deeper, huh? If I was going to buy a bottle of this for my home bar, do you know how much this is going to run me in my at, at the liquor store? Oh, uh, probably. I would. Oh, these are liters. I think for the 750s, it's probably what? I'm looking at Danny, who's our import. 32. 32, yeah. Wow, what a bargain. That is some, yeah, it's an incredible bargain. It's delicious. 100% pot still, Jamaican rum, man. Wow. That's delicious. And so those, you've got two really I do have a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you bring it down to a certain proof? Uh, we use water, deionized water. Okay. So our, our water source at the distillery, we have, it comes through the limestone aquifer, and we have a well that we dug about two miles north of the distillery. But well, we also have an aqueduct that actually ends, a gravity-fed aqueduct that ends right at the sugar factory. Cool. So we have two sources of water that we can pull from. Nice. Right up. Beautiful. All right. So Calvin's coming around with our third mark here. And this, sorry, the last, I know you asked me what the overproof is good in, but when we were with Nathan at uh, Bartender's Weekend, he was making some Mai Tais and he was using a little overproof. Nice. Rumbar overproof in it. So, And Real McCoy. Shout out Real McCoy. We just figured out the cure for the, the deep, dark Los Angeles winter, and that's a little bit of that overproof rum. It's like, no one's complaining about the cold anymore, right? It's like, we're all fine now. All right, does everyone have the third mark? Yes, yes. So what, what do we have here, Alexander? Uh, so it's a, it's a rum bar gold. Uh, it's a minimum of four years old in the blend. It's got a little bit of older juice in it. It's bottled at 80 proof, um, and we did all our aging ex-bourbon barrels. Um, you know, most of them come from Brown Foreman okay. um, out here. Now in Jamaica, one of the cool things about uh, Jamaican rum is our truth in our labeling in terms of age statements. So if you ever see a Jamaican rum with an age statement made on it, it's the youngest rum in the blend. So 
like this, we say it's a, we call it minimum four-year-old. Even if I put 14-year-old rum in it, the only number I'd be able to put on that label is four. Right. So it's uh, yeah, one of the for the youngest spirit. Yeah, in the it's one of the standards that we abide by in Jamaica. So we do add a little bit of caramel for color consistency because you know when you're emptying barrels and blending, you know you add the water to it and you lose some of the color. So we do just kind of keep a consistent balance with a little bit of uh, caramel. Okay, which is allowed by laundry. That is yeah. allowed. And again, like so, island to island, each island is their own nation state. So there's no overarching governing body that tells you how to make rum. It's, it's defined country to country, and that's what makes the Rum Society fun, is we get to learn these differences. Yeah. We get to try to understand on a deeper level how these rums are different from each other, what makes them great. And, it, and it's a big challenge, because you hear a lot that, you know, there's no rules in rum. It's, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's the Wild West. And it's really not what the rules are not. There's no one international standard. Right. So the rules are country by country. So we just did a Jamaica GI which basically governs what, and stipulates what you can call Jamaica rum. And it takes into account the fermentation, the water, the type of stills, um, obviously age statements, additives, and everything like that as well. So um, we're really trying to make Jamaica rum uh, known and recognized, just like in whiskey. Yeah, right. All right, so let's taste this one here. So it's this bottle right here. The rum bar gold. What do you guys stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth? What are you reminded of if you smell whiskey. this rum bar rum gold? Buffalo like Trace. Whiskey? Buffalo Trace? Buffalo Trace, eh? Wow. I get that. It's a little citrusy, a little honey. I get like lemon zest and honey. What are you getting? Lindsay, what are you getting? Fizzy <laughs> soda? Okay, okay. Cream soda, okay. Cream soda. S'mores. All right, all right. Yeah, this one's really buttery to me. I'm getting like buttered squash. Creamy. Yeah. A little, there's a phenolic quality too. There's a little rubbery note, but I'm getting like buttered, butternut squash and maybe some coffee. Yeah, like vanilla coffee. That's French good. Vanilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is my go to like on a nightly basis. You know, like, like oh, an easy sipper. Yeah, huh? just have it over ice at night for a little nightcap. And, so uh, we're we coming around with another mark here, guys? What are we doing? All right, so these guys are going to come around with their fourth mark here, yeah. and this is actually Worthy Park. This is not Rum Bar Rum. No, this is Worthy Park. Park. Yeah. Now, while these guys are passing it out, if you guys have noticed, there's a lot of, like, companies that are coming to market. There's these European companies, like uh, Habitation Velier, uh, Caroni, Samaroli, and these companies are buying barrels from different distilleries in the Caribbean, yeah, aging them in Europe, and then yeah. distributing them. And like, in Europe right now, the rum thing yeah, is yeah. like the highest growth spirit. It's like had double digit growth each year in the last three years. It's like massively popular. It hasn't really caught on here in America yet, but that's why we're here right now. We're trying to spread the love yeah, of rum. The rum love. But um, you guys are now popping up with all these like limited editions from these different companies. like. Worthy Park has suddenly become like a really prestigious name in yeah. the rum world. Yeah. And and why is that, you think? I think it's that, I think it, it boils down to, you know, there's a demand for traceability. Like people want to know where the rum is coming from. And we can trace back not only the rum, but the molasses and the sugar cane. Um, and I also think there's just a demand. There's no real other 100% pot still producers out there. So there's a demand for, you know, the, the flavor profile, especially in Europe, 
has gravitated towards you know that complexity and it's a carryover I think from the whiskey industry. People want that complexity. They want to taste the spirit that they're drinking. And naturally, as you look into the rum world, you look at the history of the pot still. You look at the complexity of pot still rum, and you know Worthy Park just kept popping up for people. So it's been great. I mean, you talk about Habitation Verlier. I mean, Luca's a great friend of us at the distillery. He's a great partner, and you know we owe him a lot of credit too for our our rise in in Europe. And now we you know we were waiting for the right partners, and we found Back Bar now for the states. So you know we're pretty stoked about you know the the initial response, and we hope the growth follows behind it. Now, do you guys only make rum out of molasses, or is there are you guys playing around with any cane juice based rums? Yeah, I've been we're working on it. We're I think uh, it's in the pipeline. We want to try it, but we're still I first and foremost uh, a sugar producer. So we're trying to make as much sugar as we can right now. Right. But so right now we're only messing with molasses. You know, maybe two years down the line we'll start messing with some cane juice. But and again, that's kind of what makes you guys unique is that you guys are still doing it the old school style. You're making it from your own molasses. sugar, and you're still a major sugar producer yeah. in Jamaica, which everybody else is like only making rum. They're not really producing sugar at all anymore. Yeah. So Jamaica, Jamaica as a whole is a net produce, net importer of molasses. So without with the six sugar factories that are still in Jamaica, we do about sorry the demand from the distillery side is about a hundred thousand tons of molasses a year. The sugar producers in Jamaica is about half of that, so about forty to fifty thousand wow. uh, tons of, of molasses. So Jamaica imports molasses at Worthy Park because we we make enough molasses to cover what we need. We uh, we only use Worthy Park molasses. That's cool. Um, at our at our place. So yeah, it's, it's cool. That's cool. So what is this fourth and final mark in our hands? Oh here? yeah. So this is our it's our Worthy Park single estate. So. We have the rum bar line, which is really geared towards, you know, we want it to be in cocktails. We want it to be fast moving behind the bar, but we also knew we wanted to capture um, a brand underneath Worthy Park. We have, you know, nearly 350 years of history. I mean, the name's kind of cool for a brand, Worthy Park. And we, we went with, you know, a new bottle design, new bottle shape, uh, you know, synthetic cork stopper. It's a heavy bottle for anybody that wants to, you know, wants to check it out. And we wanted to have, you know, the packaging that matches the quality of the liquid inside. Um, and now, if you keep your eye on the rum world, any older expressions that we're coming out with, hint, hint, there's a 2006 on its way to the States, cast strength, 12-year-old first vintage coming from Worthy Park, um, that's going to be in, in one of these bottles as well. So wow. this is a blend of rums between 6 to 10 years old. Um, it's bottled at 90 proof, so we did turn it up, you know, turn it up slightly, but we still wanted it to be uh, consumer friendly. Um, yeah, and that is Worthy Park Single Estate Reserve. Right on. So let's try this, you guys. Stick your nose in that glass. What are you reminded of if you smell this? Thai tea boba. Thai tea boba. Awesome. Honestly, I don't even know what she said, but that's awesome. I totally agree with you. I agree. That's really good. That's really on the mark. You've got a good nose. It's there. It's like she's right on the mark there. No, that you're actually right on the mark. That's really amazing. What else? What else? Man, wouldn't it be great if there was like cigars that would pair with this? We have cigars. <laughs> yeah. We can pair yeah, with that. Right? Oh, yeah, you can oh, always yeah. dip your not cigar the, in here. Yeah. Not the overproof one. It's gonna, that fire may not gonna, be. It's uh, going to create a fire. Uh, Yo. Licorice. All right. I like, I like that. I like that. What else, you guys? I'm getting some berry notes in this one, too, like some raspberry, perhaps. Worthy Park Single Estate Reserve. What do you guys think of the Single Estate Reserve, all right? 
How many folks like this one the best? Well, congratulations, you're really fancy. Right. <laughs> Do you have a higher proof one of this? Yeah. Of the Park? You want a lighter? Sorry. A higher proof? Um, we actually have a release that we did in Europe that was at 57%. Um, that is pretty good. Unfortunately, I don't have it with me. It was only an Italy release. But uh, yeah, we've been, we're, we have a lot coming for the, uh, the guys who want the higher proof. But as we were launching it, you know, in the US for the first time, we wanted to roll out with these four that are a little, little more consumer, you know, consumer friendly as, you know, rum's growing. Rum's growing. So we got to start off not too, not too heavy. I say that as our big, one of our biggest movers is our overproof, but you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yes. So Urban and I have been like, you know, doing these rum size for a few years now. And we ask questions from a lot of different folks coming. Are you guys doing like, you talked about like, people wanting to use high ester Jamaican rum as a blending agent yeah. in, in their own bottlings and releases and such. Is there a compound that you use in either the fermentation or post distillation that is like a, a high ester concentrate? Is there any kind of like, we've heard of things called the benefactor. Yeah. Uh, do you guys use anything like that? Any kind of like, like maybe a yeast extract to put into the barrels or put into Pre-bottling no, or anything once, like that. Once it once it comes off the still, we blend it or we put it for aging. The only thing we'll we'll do is dilute it down to proof or our caramel for uh, color consistency. So nothing. That's we good. don't do anything else. So what you would credit the definition of high ester Jamaican rum would just be that long fermentation. Long fermentation, and then obviously the variables are when you're distilling on the pot still as well, because it keeps a lot of those volatile uh, compounds in it. Wow. Yeah, the way you run your still, of course. Uh, this I really like this yeah. reserve a lot. This is amazing. So I talked about the high ester fermentation. Um, our light ester fermentation, and we're, called, we're this is pot still light rum, so it's still very heavy. But that is, you know, we use different yeast for that, and it's a slower fermentation time. So it's really just a combination of that plus distilling on the double retort pot still. So it's nothing that we do... Like you said, we don't add anything. We don't spike it with anything. It, it's just the way the rum comes off the still. Why you don't get it in the age run is, again, the marriage of the barrel and the rum and how that changes uh, changes the rum. So you look at it from the, from the way of how other distillers distill. And when you're using, for example, like a multi-column still, like all those compounds and volatile compounds, they look at it as bad stuff in rum. You know, a lot of the other islands, but... We look at it as, yeah, leave that shit in there, man. That's where the flavor is. That's where that, that big fat pot still yeah. is going to make for an oilier, basier spirit yeah. that's going to bring a lot more character from the base agricultural ingredients. Yeah. So, so we love that. We want that. We want that. In there. Keep that yeah. funk, baby. Yeah. Well, you guys, let's give it up for Mr. Alexander Kong from Oregon Park. Thank you. Really amazing yeah, stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>